Joining me from uh, his home, I think. Uh, where are you? You're in Sanford? Yeah, I am in uh, Pace, Florida, and just outside Pace, of Pensacola. We're in, we're in the panhandle. We like to call it L.A., Lower Alabama. Because more like Alabama <laughs> than most of what people think of Florida. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Hunt the Front's uh, Joshua Joyner. Uh, Joshua, this is actually your third time on the show, and I haven't done one of these conversations episodes in a long time. Um, just like I, I'm kind of at a point where I'm only interested in, in like really cool conversations and, and I'm not just going to do interviews to do them, but, um, your third time on the show, obviously I wanted to have you on. You guys have had your first full season of the Hunt the Front series, your own streaming service, uh, plus all the other usual stuff you guys got going on with the team. But, uh, let's start first with, uh, with current events here. What'd you think about the, uh, the Dirt Track World Championship at Eldora last night? Uh, it was exciting. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on again. Um, yep. I, I think that's a, you know, a compliment what you said there. Uh, so, uh, thanks for having me on, but yeah, it was, it was exciting. Uh, I think that's what Lucas Oil was going for uh, when they planned the big four format. Um, I'm, I posted about it on Facebook. I don't usually post about stuff like that, but I'm not a big fan of it, uh, the, the way they did it. Um, but it was exciting. So, uh, if that's what they were going for, that's great. I just, you know, when the championships determined by a race that only saw, essentially six or seven cars finish um, that were competitive in the race at the end. You know, I don't know that that's the way you want to decide your championship, but it was the most exciting and dramatic moment, uh, perhaps of any dirt late model race I've witnessed. So, you know, that's cool. <laughs> uh, did you guys talk about taking your car there? Was that discussed at any point? Uh, yeah, you know, we discussed it uh, with Joseph going. He, I mean, the, the cool thing about that format uh, for the race itself is, you know, when you go to Eldora as a race team, there's so much racing and so much um, inverts and the, you know, the, the, the wheel spin and all that, that, that invert, you know, for the heat races, it, it takes so much to get to the feature, right? That, you know, even if you're fast and qualifying and fast in your heat races, uh, it, you, you, don't, you might, things might not shake out in your favor. And that's what's happened to Joseph the last two times we've been there. And it's almost like, man, you go there this time for the dirt track and be fast and qualifying and fast in your heat race and you're starting up front of the, the feature. And so they, uh, I don't make the decisions for the race team just, just to reiterate. I, you know, I, I hear their, what they decide or their conversation. So they were, they thought about it, but ultimately, uh, Joseph wanted to go run the crate race at Alltech, the Powell Family Memorial. He won that last year, felt he'd be pretty competitive and I mean, he ended up fourth in it. So it was a solid weekend and a little closer to home and easier to do than going all the way to Ohio. And, and what ultimately was a you know challenging weekend from the uh, rain and the track uh, conditions. Uh, you are, I think, your main focus at this point is probably Hunt the Front Super Dirt Series, correct? Yes, I would. Yeah, I'm, I'm still involved a little bit on the the YouTube side and the the business side over there. Uh, the the uh, what we're doing for Hunt the Front specifically, but my main focus is the the race team and the the streaming company on the Front TV. I'm sorry, the race series, the series, not the race team, the series and the streaming company. So you guys are coming off of your of your first full season. You still got a couple races left. Uh, obviously, the championship's been decided at this point. But um, not only do you start a series this year, but you also start a streaming service to cover that series. But uh, just give me an overall. What are your thoughts uh, after uh, after year one here? Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to really stop and think about it too much. Um, just because we, you know, I mean, year year yes, the 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 uh, point season is over. Um, I went on a family vacation across the country. I did have some time to think about because I drove 22 hours, uh, essentially by myself to go on a family vacation in the RV and my family met me out there. Um, but I, it still doesn't feel like it's over. So like we, I think we've got the biggest race that we've yet, you know, had on the platform on our streaming platform yet coming up this week. So I haven't really had a time, a chance to really think, look back and think about things because I've been kind of having to worry about this and make sure 
you know, everything is moving along and ready to go for that, uh, for the National 100, speaking uh, talking about it, East Alabama Motor Speedway. Uh, but overall, you know, when I think about it, um, I think we learned a lot. We There's a lot of things we'd like to do, uh, wish we could have done better, and we'll try to do better going forward. But overall, I think we had a pretty solid first season as a series. We had uh, eight drivers follow the entire tour, uh, had a heck of a points battle that came down to the last race with three guys for for my money, three of the top guys in the Southeast region with Josh Putnam, uh, Joseph Joyner, and, and Will Harrington battling out for the championship. Had a, a you know a great story for the rookie of the year with Trey Mills, a teenage driver emerging kind of out of nowhere to, to be pretty good and competitive on the tour. And um, overall, a lot of positive feedback from drivers, tracks, and fans. So, uh, yeah, we, we're happy with it, and I, I will call it a success, but with the caveat that we have a lot of room for improvement for year two. Is it what you thought it would be? um ah, i that's that's a tough question i think uh if you'd ask i I think yes and no uh, big picture yes it is what i thought it would be and kind of had an idea of what we'd be doing but um when you get down into the details of all the things we've gone through and everything we've had to do uh this year i would say no there were a lot of things that popped up that i had no idea um you know from uh, track conditions, you know, like you saw with uh, Lucas Oil Eldora last night, you know, we faced a similar situation at Magnolia Magnolia earlier in the year. Uh, the, all the rainouts we dealt with in the first half of the season, which seems like ages ago now, because um, we did so much racing in the second half of the, the season to um, um, suspensions and fights and stuff, um, you know, and, and then also the, you know, race fever issues at, at tracks. We've, we've had stuff you don't even realize until you actually do it. Uh, and get in there and see the kind of stuff that happens and um, that, you know, all these sanctioning bodies and, and, and media companies, because, you know, this is kind of a dual sided company with the streaming deal and the, the series uh, that they face, you know, when you're actually in the in the trenches, so to speak, doing it. So it was a learning experience for for a lot of us, for all of us involved. Um, we have a, a big team and it took a group effort to get through it. And I think overall, we handled things well and, um, you know, excited to, to keep improving and moving forward. When you have questions, when you run into issues, is there somebody that you were able to lean on this year? You know, like was that your team? You know, the the people that you brought in was that somebody outside the series? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, the first, you know, that's an easy answer is Travis Scott, our announcer. Um, he was, uh, although he was our announcer, he was as much in charge, <laughs> I feel like, as as I was as uh, series director this year, um, because every de- decision I made, whether it was a scheduling decision or a um, you know, a rules decision or something we had to do or, or in the moment decision, um, you know, I, I was going to him to, to look for, for answers. Um, you know, there's times he'd be in the announcer's booth and I'd have to go over there and me, he and I put our heads together and come up with a, uh, an, a solution and answer to whatever problem we were having, um, which unfortunately happened more often than, than I wanted it, wanted it to. Um, you know, like I said, some behind the scenes stuff that you just don't know about until you get into it. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, I hired, you know, we hired him to be the announcer and ended up having a, somebody who probably the most experienced person when it comes to operating a series on, on our team. Uh, and he was definitely, um, has been a resource. And, um, so I, I guess it's a good time to say it because we haven't announced it publicly yet, getting ready to, but he is actually not going to be our announcer anymore and is going to be promoted to our, uh, what we're calling director of race day operations. So he's going to be essentially our, our race director and when it comes to race day essentially in charge of the series and the operations of the series um you know um uh, and, and staff and everything uh for our events and that'll start this this weekend at the national 100 so uh, i'm really excited for that um to, to have him kind of taking over a role he's essentially already been filling 
to some degree uh, while also uh, announcing. So, um, you know, definitely he's been a, a you know, a, a very good asset to have on the team and someone I've leaned on a lot. Uh, you mentioned in there the suspensions thing, you know, kind of a nasty night with, with Garrett Smith and his dad and having to do suspensions and all that stuff. How do you like deal with that? How do you prepare yourself for that? You know, like, I feel like that's one thing that you don't hear often from series officials about is like when things go sideways, like how do you keep yourself calm in those moments? And, and how did you kind of tackle that night? Um, well, I don't know. I, that's a tough situation and it was a very uh, unfortunate situation and, and, um, situation I definitely didn't want to be in and involved with, but ultimately we had to deal with it. And, you know, I think you handle the, you know, the way we approached it is you handle the situation immediately as best you can to, uh, you know, deescalate, I think is the word whenever there's, uh, you know, heated stuff going on, tempers and all that. Um, you do your best to deescalate the situation, get, you know, the night done. The, obviously that was in the middle of a race that had happened. So we had to get back to the race at hand and get that done. And, and then after it's all said and done, you, you step back, look back. Um, I know personally being dirt car sanctioned, I made a lot of phone calls with, uh, Steve Francis at the world of outlaws was involved in the, the, the decisions we made. Uh, Sam Driggers at dirt car obviously was highly involved. Um, I even, I called other kind of, um, dirt car sanctioned series directors. Um, um, Chris Sullivan at, uh, dirt car, uh, comp cams talked with him about it because, uh, you know, ultimately the decisions and the penalties that were, handed down affected everyone and it took everyone being on board. And, um, I pre, you know, looking back, I really do appreciate all the support that, you know, in that situation and, uh, that we were given as a series from all, all the other folks involved. Um, and I think it was a, I think it was the right decision. We, you know, we ended up, uh, suspending Garrett Smith for that for, uh, I think it was, uh, 90 days. Um, his dad was the one who instigated the situation. Scott Smith, he was suspended, you know, much longer, uh, and, um, you know, faced stiffer penalties. And I think it was fair. And, you know, looking back, I think, you know, everyone wished it didn't happen and has moved on from it. And, you know, I think that's the best you can hope for is that everyone, you know, at the end of the day, you know, moves on and, and feels better about it. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen again. I kind of feel like you guys had a little bit of everything this season. You know, you, you have this situation you just talked about, you know, I know there were lots of weather issues and track things and, and, you know, how hard is it when you find out that you can't run a race or you've got a rain out, you know, to try to pivot the schedule? Um, you know, is it is it easy to get those things done? Is it easy to find other tracks? Like, how hard is it to communicate with your drivers and figure out where they can be? You know, give me an idea about, like, you know, just your shifting schedule kind of all season. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely an interesting year with everything that we faced, um, you know, as far as the schedule goes. I, I will say one thing I'm proud of is that we stuck to the schedule that we put out when it came to dates. So that when, you know, what I mean is when we put out a schedule, uh, so I'll say weekends, there was some, like we had a triple header weekend that turned into a double header, right? Um, you know, we added a, a, a Friday night on a couple of, uh, you know, uh, things that started out as you know, weekends that started out as Saturday only. But overall, the, you know, the schedule we came out with by, I think by February, uh, yeah, we had to change the, um, I think the Magnolia date was a change from what we released at PRI, but I think we had changed it by January or February. But from that point on, uh, you know, we stuck with the dates that we put out, which I think kind of over the last few years, at least when it comes to regional tours, got lost uh, and, and really made it hard, hard to follow regional or late model tours because you see the schedule, you make plans, and then they put out a, you know, a date that you already had something planned, you know, or a season that goes on forever. Um, you know, uh, so we, we definitely tried to stay, stick with the dates that we had, had planned and did that. Uh, but when you have tracks closing and canceling just out of the blue for, 
uh, various reasons, um, you know, two weeks out, like you, you kind of, yeah, you go into scramble mode. I think, um, fortunately for us, you know, what we're doing and the way we've approached our series and, and built the, you know, the excitement around it, I guess you could say, and the, the following that we have, you know, we were able to go to tracks and kind of, we didn't have a hard time filling dates whenever we lost, uh, you know, uh, Boyd's when it closed, um, you know, thankfully Livonia and Rome. It was, a, you know, we had to work out some details, but essentially they were interested from the moment I called. Um, when Deep South, the issues that happened there, and we had to reschedule our finale, you know, a month out uh, or move our finale a month out, Swainsboro um, was more than willing to take that date. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, we worked with them to make it a successful event. So it made sense for them. So after this first season of, of, you know, running the series, as you look forward to next year, what are those things that you want to fix, change, updates, you know, purse money? Is it the schedule? You know, what are those things that are kind of top of mind for, for year two of the Hunt the Front series? I would say uh, all of the above, I think. Um, I think we have, <laughs> we had, uh, you know, year one, you know, we were kind of doing what we had to do to get dates uh, at some of these tracks. Uh, we we kind of had to, you know, prove ourselves as a series and as a, an operation that we could come to a track and put on a successful event and, um, you know, they could be successful hosting our events with the package that we kind of, uh, offer to tracks. Um, so I think we did that. I think, um, at the end of the day, all of our events that we were a part of were successful. Um, you know, there were a few that we'd like to tweak, uh, you know, looking back. Um, but, uh, we're learning from that and that's the changes we're going to make as far as scheduling. I'd like, I know, there was a stretch there in August through mid August through uh, Labor Day that we raced three weekends in a row. Um, and it, going back to the beginning of August, it was five out of uh, or four out of five weekends. Um, so that was a, a lot of racing there. And I know it was hard I, talking with the drivers and the race teams. They were they were burned out, um, you know, because these regional guys, they're not full time racers. Most of them like the national guys that, you know, travel around. That's all they do. They, they have jobs. Their crew guys, a lot of them have jobs. And or companies or, or stuff that they're doing that, you know, they have to do the, the racing on the side. So, um, you know, you're asking a lot when you race that many times in a row for some of those, those teams. So I think honestly, I would prefer not to have any back to back weekends that we could avoid. Although I do like having the, the points finale, uh, you know, from, you know, from one race right to the you know weekend to the, to the next, it was pretty cool. But, um, if we can avoid it, definitely, I know for sure we will not race three weekends in a row next year. And if we can avoid it as, you know, back to backs, so we'll avoid that as well payouts um obviously that's a big uh, topic of discussion in in uh, dirt lake model racing is the difference between um uh, you know the top of the top money to the to the bottom like how how well it's spread out you know we were looking at i think we, we were going to improve our payouts this year for uh, for for next season and we were looking at adding money you know having bigger races paying a little more to win and we've stepped back and said maybe we should add that further down so um you know we're kind of uh, adjusting that talking with our tracks talking with teams and drivers about what's best and, uh, and trying to find a balance that works for everybody. And, uh, but that is something we're considering, but our payouts will improve and, and, uh, our points fund, I think we're going to do a little more, not nothing huge. Um, but when we come out with it, hopefully definitely by PRI, when we come out with a schedule and points fund, it'll, it'll be, uh, we'll add some, um, some, some money there. Uh, we, we did the mid season points fund deal, which was kind of new. I, I don't know, you know, other tours that, that do that. So, um, that went really well. We were happy with that, the excitement of it and the, the, you know, extra, you know, storyline it provided and drama it provided. I think, I think we're going to increase that midseason points fund. It paid, uh, 5,000 to, to win the midseason points this year. We're going to try to go up to 10 and, and increase it through the top 10. So we're pretty excited about it. And, um, yeah, hopefully it'll make for a better year too. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. 
Do you think that having the involvement with the Hunt the Front late model team changed how you approach things, changed how you put it together, changed how you think about the teams that race with you? Oh, it definitely did for me. I mean, I'm coming from a background, you know, you know, the, the race team, we, our race team has to be successful or we as a business are not successful, right? Like if, uh, do if we're putting on a tour and events that are, um, you know, not successful from a race team standpoint or not, um, sustainable, you know, from a race team standpoint, then, you know, we're putting on, a, you know, the series, like we as a business can't function. So, you know, I definitely, you know, when we put on this series and, the events we put on, we, we look at it from a race team perspective of, you know, how does it, how can this make sense for the race team? Um, so I think having that coming from that side of it, um, you know, I think is a different approach and a different, I think it helped, uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, I think, you know, sometimes on the regional level, you know, I don't think this, then that's when we started a series is I don't feel like at least in the Southeast, they had the racers, you know, needs and, and, you know, what the obstacles racers and race teams face in mind when they're making schedules and planning and events and, and all that. So that's one thing I think definitely knowing the ins and out of the, the race team, you know, from a business perspective and what it takes to get up and down the road and get a, you know, crew to a, a track and uh, ha- even have a crew, um, you know, believe it or not, most of these guys aren't, you know, back in the day, there was a lot of people willing to volunteer and go to the races and, and all that, um, you know, and, or it was, you know, cheap help, I guess, but, these days, these teams, a lot of them, even the, 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 yeah, the regional level have, you know, full-time guys that they're having to pay, um, or at least they're paying, they might not be full-time, but they're, you know, most of us paid a lot of paid crew members. And you got to think about that when you're asking them, if you're asking them to race every weekend, you know, that's, that's a lot of budget, uh, for them to have to come up with. So, uh, yeah, definitely that perspective has helped. I think, um, hopefully the, uh, the, the series, uh, drivers that have supported and the race teams that have supported the series, see it, saw that and saw that we were thinking about them as we made decisions, um, you know, because we definitely were. Uh, obviously, to complicate all of this, then, you know, you, you're starting a series and then you obviously want this to be streamed. Um, and I know you guys looked at a bunch of different options for ways to get that done, eventually settled on effectively running your own streaming service. How does that throw extra wrinkles into this whole process while you're trying to do both? Yeah, it was definitely... Um, I, you know, I don't know because I don't know what it would have been like to start a series without having to worry about the streaming side. I imagine it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we, we basically had two new businesses, a series, uh, you know, and, and a streaming company that we essentially started. Yeah, there, it's all under one umbrella and one business, but you had, you know, essentially two, two operations going on there. Um, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, like I said, we have, uh, you know, had Travis on the, the series side, um, you know, that we brought on and that was a big help on the streaming side. Uh, Logan Gibson, who is, um, you know, uh, he's, I guess, you know what? We don't really have an official title for him, but he's in charge of our production um, team and everything. He built out a production trailer for us. He handled scheduling the crew, uh, the production crew for all the events, and uh, was really you know invaluable um, to have him on board. And and I think that's if any if I learned anything uh, with this is you got to have good people. You know the 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 more good people you have in place and the better team you have, the easier it is uh, to get the job done. And um, so I think that without um, you know the team that we built and put together. Um, and, you know, and, and it's not just those two guys, like, you know, when we go to a series event, um, you know, between the streaming side and the, the series staff, there's, you know, I think we've had as many as 19 people, uh, there with us, you know, there's at minimum 15. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a major operation to do what we did this year. And, uh, for us, it, I think it paid off because we, like I said, we felt like it was a successful year. Um, so, uh, but like I said, without the people we put in place to do that, it wouldn't have been possible. 
Are there any changes planned for streaming stuff for next year? Is there things you want to do better on that side and, and changes you want to make there? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're always, again, we're always looking to improve. Um, we'd like to bring on, uh, we started to bring on a drone, um, you know, from some of the later events there this year. We'd like to have uh, have that part become part of, uh, you know, our regular uh, production. Um, but that, you know, a- anything you add gets pretty expensive. And then if you, you know, do it by, 20, 25 races, you know, you're, you're increasing, you know, quite substantially the budget there. So, um, you know, it's baby steps, I guess, so to speak, you know, we were happy with year one, how, how well our production team did. Um, we feel like, you know, no, we're not a yeah, flow or dirt vision or XR, you know, national touring event level production just yet, but I, I don't think we're very far off. Um, you know, we have a lot of improvements, uh, for those asking, we're, we're working out, we're working on figuring out a solution to be, uh, have our app on Roku. So, um, you know, there's stuff like that, uh, you know, little tweaks here and there. Uh, yeah, we're definitely looking at, and one thing I'll add, I haven't mentioned, but, um, the speed sport TV platform and, and rivet the, 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 um, speed sport TV affiliate affiliate program and the rivet platform, uh, were great to work with this year for us. Um, as you mentioned, we were kind of, you know, it was almost, I'd say uh, kind of like a last minute deal when we decided to do our own thing and, and kind of having those, those guys at, at rivet and speed sport to, to help us were, uh, you know, definitely made it easier for us to make that jump, um, you know, and, and put everything together uh, quickly to, to launch everything when we did. Uh, obviously, you guys with that streaming service didn't just do your own events. You did lots of other events as mm-hmm. well. Um, is that something you're going to continue? Is it, you know, is, is this something you hope to grow and, and, and continue to add other races to that platform as you go forward? Yeah, you know, so definitely we're, we're open to that, you know, where it makes sense. You know, our whole goal with this is, is to, you know, support, uh, dirt track racing in the Southeast, you know, um, most specifically super late model racing. But, um, you know, we, if we see an opportunity to help support, uh, you know, a late model event or street stock events, that makes sense. And we think it's good for the sport, you know, then, then we're gonna, gonna do that, um, you know, where we can, um, you know, we felt like the best move for us to be able to, you know, support racing in the Southeast was to start a series, but there are some events that don't necessarily need to be part of the series to be successful. Um, you know, we streamed the fall classic at, at why not uh, a couple weeks ago, and that was a great event. Um, 48 cars was one of the highest car counts they've had in years there and, um, they'd up payout this year. Um, you know, and, and we kind of, you know, kind of helped do that, did that with, uh, you know, some of the streaming money we were able to bring to the table. Um, you know, so that's one thing we're not necessarily tied to having to make it part of a series to, to do these things when it makes sense to, to be part of an event, we're more than happy to step in and do it. But at the same time, we think having the series is uh, a benefit to super late model racing in the Southeast. So we got to make sure we have the races we need and, um, you know, have that in the budget. And then we start looking at where we can, um, step in and, and, you know, be a part of other events that help as well. Uh, talk about your race this week. You guys got, you know, East Alabama National 100, big payout. Uh, you know, sounds like a bunch of national guys on the way. What are you, uh, what are you looking forward to that event? How'd you guys get involved in that event? Um, so it's kind of, I, I really, I don't, I don't remember how the conversation started. You know, we, we've been a part, you know, we've gone to East Alabama Motor Speedway a long time. Um, you know, that was our, it's not our home track, obviously. It's, you know, three and a half hours from, from our hometown, but. It was the closest track growing up that had big, you know, big events with the National 100, the Alabama State Race. Um, those were events that we always went to, you know, as kids, uh, my brothers and I and, and my dad when he was racing. And then, you know, usually the state race. And then we'd go watch the National 100 with the big name super late model guys. Uh, uh, Scott Bloomquist, Freddie Smith was there a lot. Um, you know, all the big, you know, names back in the day. And, you know, anyone who's followed the, the sport, 
you know, and especially in our region, very long, you, you understand, you know, probably know that that event has kind of taken a step back as other events have grown and expanded and become, um, you know, the sport has grown. That event is kind of uh, w- w- taken a step back for various reasons. Um, and, um, you know, we, when we started putting the series together, actually like two years ago, um, we started talking about putting on a series and explored the idea. Um, you know, I, that was East Alabama was one of the tracks we wanted involved. And so I reached out at the time, um, Melanie Richardson, and um, who's one of the, you know, member of the Thomas family and her husband, Richard had taken over operations. They were just getting started. Um, and they were coming in and, you know, trying to make a lot of improvements. And, um, we didn't ultimately put the series together that year. Uh, but we, you know, kind of kept in touch and saw what they were doing and felt like they were doing a good job with things. And then this year we put the series together, reached out, planted, uh, an event there in August, which went well. Um, and then at that event, we kind of talked about what they were planning on doing for the state race in September and then the national 100 in, uh, October. And, um, with the scheduling, the XR had scheduled, uh, their hundred thousand to win race at all take the same weekend. So they had some issues they were fighting through and we were able to step in and say, Hey, we, you know, we want this event to continue. You know, that was really the only weekend to do it. Why don't we make it a one day show on Sunday? So it doesn't conflict the super late model portion anyway, doesn't conflict with all tech. Um, you know, we're able to provide some revenue from the streaming side to make that feasible for them. Um, and so that's initially where we started as a 30,000 30, to win one day show on Sunday, October 29th. Um, whatever happened with XR and them needing to reschedule uh, an event that, and the, you know, weekend that they were adamant about having, um, they rescheduled it. So it became open for us to move back to a two day show. That's what the track wanted to do. And we felt that it needed a purse increase to do that. Um, so we were able to work with them and work together to come up with a purse that made sense. And uh, here we are about to have a 49,000 win race. And it's pretty exciting. Um, it'll be like I mentioned um, I, to have a, you know, essentially a 50,000 win race on our streaming platform and part of our series in year one, you know, it's crazy to think about it, you know, really where we are. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how we, you know, it's still kind of hard to explain how we got to that point, but you know, we're, we're looking forward to it. We feel confident about it and things going to be a success, um, for the track. Hopefully it is for us on the streaming side and hopefully the drivers and race teams and fans as well enjoy it. So, um, we're excited about it and looking forward to, uh, the 49th annual national 100 being a big deal. And then hopefully, uh, you know, we keep that going, going forward, uh, for many more national 100s. I know you guys are really focused on on the southeast and and taking care of the southeastern racers, but you guys have had quite a few national level teams come through and run with you guys this year. Ricky Thornton Jr. and Jimmy Owens and Brandon Overton and some of these guys. Is that like really validating when those guys show up to one of your events? Uh, yeah, it definitely is. Um, when they do that, obviously the you know <laughs> you know when one of those guys is, you know um, kind of calls out things that happen with your series isn't a good thing. Uh, we had a receiver issue with Delmon Dow at Rome. Um, I, we've worked through that, but you know, when your you know, victory lane interview is calling the series, you know, <laughs> the winner saying how the series is, you know, unprofessional, whatever it was. But, um, I, again, that if you know what happened there, if you're familiar with that, we, there was some race fever issues. I, I think we handled that. Um, I know why Dell was hot in the moment. Absolutely. And, uh, we talked to him afterward and we've made changes, um, you know, for that going forward that I don't think it's going to be an issue. And anyway, besides that, yes, it has been very, you know, positive feedback from the, the national guys that have dropped down and ran with us and the fact that they're willing to, um, you know, when they have a break and their, their busy schedules, is, like you said, is, is kind of validating uh, that they trust us to put on a good show and, and treat them professionally because they are professionals. And, and that was our whole goal was to bring, you know, professionalism to regional racing in the Southeast. Cause we didn't feel like it was really, really there before uh, the way as a race team, we felt it should be. So 
hopefully they're uh, they're seeing that, um, appreciating that, and hopefully they continue to support our events when they can. Uh, the business of Hunt the Front has expanded, it seems, very rapidly here in the last year or two. Uh, you know, obviously, we talked streaming schedule and the series, and, and you know, at, at the center of all this, you still have the YouTube channel, still making content. You guys got a new shop here, uh, you know, within the last, whatever, year, year and a half. Uh, are you shocked? Do you ever get a chance to, like, take a step back and be like, you know, we started, you know, as a family running Dirt Late Models, and then we had, you know, let's put this on YouTube, and, like, now it's turned into this whole business. Do you ever get a chance to, like, reflect on all of that? Uh, you know, I, I try to, um, you know, I think, you know, I think it's easy to get caught up in the, the, the work and the stress of what we're doing. Um, every side of it is stressful. I know, you know, uh, I overheard Joseph having a phone call with, uh, I believe it was Marshall Green at Capital Race Cars as they were getting ready to run. They ran, you know, crate, they still run capitals with their crate stuff. And he was talking with him and they were catching up hadn't talked in a while. And, you know, I heard Joseph talking about how, you know, he always was a dream to race professionally or race for a living. And, you know, now it's, man, you kind of, kind of look forward to an off weekend, <laughs> off weekend, you know, cause we get so much racing and so much work. And I think that's on every side. Um, you know, Jonathan with the videos, if you, you know, when back when he was still a school teacher, if you told him, Hey, you're going to be able to quit teaching and just make YouTube videos for a living, you know, he'd have thought, Oh man, what a, that's a dream life. And it is, you know, he's living the dream, but I, I see it every day. He's stressed out and overworked and burned, getting burned out here and, you know, here and there. And I feel the same way on the series. Um, our wives all, feel the same way. They're all involved and everyone works hard. Um, Jesse, you know, as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, and I think that's important when you have to step back and look and see, look where we've come from and what we're building and what we're doing. Um, obviously we got to find ways, you know, as an organization to relieve some of that stress, um, you know, make it more sustainable as we look to, you know, continue this and, and, um, have a, you know, long, long-term business here. Um, that everyone's able to sustain what they're doing uh, on, on every facet of the business. But, um, you know, I think that's important to look back and say, see how far we've come, you know, whenever it feels stressful and feels like, you know, where we have a, something doesn't go our way. Um, you know, we're definitely, you know, living the dream, so to speak, and, and got to keep that in perspective uh, and, and th- focus on the positive when we can. Uh, I, I want to ask a little bit just to generally about the workload and, and you know, I, I know what it means to have a YouTube channel and, and to put this stuff together all the time. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that think it's like, oh, you just film your stuff and then you put it on the internet and then you get to make all this money. <laughs> but uh, f- from where you sit, what like what is the workload for you? What is the workload for 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 Joseph? What is the work for, uh, workload for Jonathan? Like, what does it look like for everybody on a normal week? Like, are you guys working 70, 80 hour weeks? Um, at least <laughs> I would say, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, here's a perfect example. Let's talk about this, this week. Um, so they're coming off a race weekend and, you know, if they're, if they're lucky, the race team, you know, they, there's, you know, maybe one weekend a month they get off as, you know, really more like one weekend every six weeks they're taking off. Um, but they're coming off a race weekend. They get home. Usually they drive home, you know, Saturday night and get home, you know, by daylight Sunday morning. So they take obviously Sunday's shot, you know, by the time they, they get home and, and everything. Usually the, the, the crew takes uh, Monday off unless it's a busy week. And I think because they're switching back to the supers, I think they're in the shop today, um, you know, already uh, getting back to work. Um, you know, so they've really not had a day off uh, when you look at it that way. Um, they'll work until, you know, have the cars ready to go and probably leave out sometime Friday um, to go to the, the races. And you're racing all weekend. And if they race the, the following weekend, you, just, you know, just rinse, wash, wash, rinse and repeat, you know, basically doing the same thing. It's, it's never ending. Um, so you take a weekend off or, you know, the season ends if it does, 
anymore. Um, so there, that's constant work for them. And Joseph, while he's, you know, he's the driver, he's also in charge of the race team. So, you know, he's there working with the crew and working on the cars throughout the week as well, just like, uh, like they are. Uh, and along, you know, with having to be part of the content side with podcasts and videos and all that, um, Twitch, you know, when we do the live stream, the gaming stuff, um, Jonathan, you know, same deal with him. You know, he's at the races just like they are till late. Um, he gets home Sunday, maybe catches a break, but if a lot of times he's already starting to edit import in, people don't even realize how hard, how much it takes just to import video, right. From a, a race night. Um, you know, that, that's a process in and of itself. And, and then you're, you know, going through it, editing it. And for him to have a vlog out on Monday, you know, he's worked a, a 12 hours, at least 12 hours of editing the editing process since the race ended, you know, to have a, a video out at 5 p.m. Monday. So from uh, midnight when the race ends, the drive home till uh, 5 p.m. Monday, he's somehow managed to put in probably 10 to 12 hours of work. Right. And then it's, you know, it's not, you know, take a day or two off. It's all right. We have to have a video out, you know, a couple more, at least one more video, sometimes two before we go turn around, and go racing again this week. Um, so that's, that's a, you know, pretty busy schedule, uh, for them on my side. Um, right now for me, my, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of trying to figure out next year, next season. Um, so it's a lot of phone calls, um, a lot of, um, scheduling. Cause I mean, there's so much involved with this when you're looking at a schedule, it's not just about where we're going to be racing wise, but it's like, you know, getting the production crew there. That's the hardest thing uh, right now is there is, is very, um, scarce, uh, scarcity among production people. So if you're, if you're looking to join a production crew and video live production, we're hiring, um, shoot me an email, Joshua at huntthefront.net. <laughs> Cause we, we just like everybody else. It's not just us. Flow. Everybody is looking for people. Um, uh, anyway, um, so we're trying to already have our schedule in place so we can ha- get book shooters and book pr- uh, producers and graphics folks and, and all that. So, um, you know, and every time I think I have our date set, you know, things are, things, uh, Steve Francis with World of Outlaws calls me and tells me he's moved his, you know, a date in the fall that, you know, blows up my entire schedule, you know, cause we have to <laughs> schedule around them. I haven't heard, you know, what Lucas Ole, you know, I've, I've seen some of their dates, obviously, but, you know, um, and their schedule that usually comes out of the dirt track I'm hearing is not going to be out for, uh, you know, for a while now with everything they have going on. So that's, uh, been a headache, um, with that. And then also trying to, at the same time, plan for the events we have coming up. So, um, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work for all of us, but, um, you know, we, we try to manage it and do the best we can with it. Uh, give me an idea of how much shooting, like how, how much footage does Jonathan end up with after a single race day? Cause like, Obviously, he's got to take all of those and then distill it down into whatever a 15 or 20 minute video. But I just want people to have an idea of exactly how much stuff he has to go through from a race day. I think he so I haven't made a vlog in a long time. Used to I would, you know, kind of swap, you know, take over for him sometimes or I'd help him edit. But, you know, I haven't been involved in that process since we started the streaming company very much. But um, I know he would his goal. I think he told me was to have no, you know, less than three hours of footage to go through. Uh, and then, like you said, you're trying to cut that down and that, that's just vlog push. That's on his GoPro. That doesn't include the actual racing, right? On the track, that's, you know, different camera, different card, but on that vlog, you know, under three hours to cut down to essentially 15 minutes, you know, of, 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 of of vlog footage. And then you add in the race footage for a, you know, 25 ish minute video. Um, you know, I think that's his goal, but a lot of times like you're so worried about missing something right. That you have the camera rolling more and, and he probably ends up with more like four to even six hours worth of footage, um, you know, on, on a single race night. And then you're talking about, you know, all these races nowadays are, you know, two or three night events. 
you know, the, the Eldora trip, you know, where you're basically shooting content from Tuesday. I, well, let's put this from our Labor Day weekend, you know, um, where we did the back to back, uh, Hunt the Front Series races, the Cletus McFarland event at Bristol, Bristol 1000. And then you had two days off and then we're at Eldora racing. So, I mean, that's probably, you know, easily 35, 30, 35 hours of footage, if not more, you know, that he's going through in a week. So it's, it's a ton of stuff, a ton to, um, you know, and, and the crazy part is he does it all on his iPad. He doesn't even have a computer, uh, you know, so which is easy for traveling, but at the same time for managing files and everything is not, not ideal. So um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's, he's definitely uh, figured out a system that works for him that, you know, the way he does it, that, uh, you know, works and, you know, people with it does, it's, you know, seems to be doing okay. So hopefully, you know, he can keep that up and not burn himself out too much. Uh, well, I appreciate you giving me some time today. I know you guys are super busy and I know you got a, you got little ones and stuff too that you got to chase around today, but, uh, give me all of the bullet points for the weekend. Where can we watch Absolutely. where, you know, tickets, like give me, give me the full rundown on the, on the national 100 weekend. Yeah. National 100, the 49th annual national 100 at East Alabama motor speedway. Um, it is a, a four day event. They start with practice on Thursday, uh, for all divisions, uh, they'll have some local division heat racing going on Friday, along with practice for supers and the other divisions. And then, um, it's a unique event, uh, Saturday, they race during the afternoon with local divisions. Um, both Saturday with heat races, uh, and then Sunday with, with B mains and features for local divisions. They'll have, but all, all the super late mile stuff will be done, be done, um, Saturday evening and Sunday evening. So, um, that is one thing we worked with them to figure out the schedule where it doesn't drag out. And, um, they have, they also have time to rework the track for Saturday evening when we'll run prelims. Uh, and then Sunday evening, uh, we'll start, uh, we'll run the B mains and the 49,000 to win 100 lap main event. Both evening portions we plan to start around six o'clock and, um, Saturday will run a little later because we got, you know, some, uh, lo- local division features to run. But on Sunday, it'll only be super late model hot laps, super late model B mains, super late model feature. We hope to be out of there by, um, by, you know, eight o'clock at, at latest nine o'clock, um, Sunday evening. That is Eastern time. It's the only state in a uh, city in Alabama that's on Eastern time there, Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, so if you can make it to the track, we promise they know it's a Sunday event. We promise to do our best to get you out of there early. Uh, for Monday, if you got work, and then um, obviously if you can't, you can watch every bit of it live on HuntTheFront.tv. Uh, we got the Hunt the Front TV app, or on on the web at HuntTheFront.tv. Um, every lap uh, will be live there, and we'd appreciate you tuning in. Who? Uh, what are the drivers you expect? Uh, we got Ricky Thornton Jr. Um, you know, looking to bounce back from the disappointment <laughs> of the Lucas Oil Championship. There, the heartbreak, if you will. He's uh, he's scheduled to be there, and. Um, uh, I already saw where in his post last night about um, not winning the championship, how he's moving on and ready for East Alabama. So it'd be his first trip there. Obviously, we're excited to have him. Uh, Brandon Overton, the two-time defending race winner, is, is going to be there. We got Del McDowell, a, a two-time winner coming. Uh, Chris Madden, also a two-time winner coming. Um, I, I was I was told if Scott Bloomquist made it through uh, Eldora with his you know uh, health, you know, or his, his his foot, I guess he broke, um, you know, uh, had a foot issue and obviously he's had his surgeries and everything. If, if he'd get back in the seat for Eldor, if he made it through, they were planning on coming. That would be pretty cool to have him. Um, Tyler, Tyler Herb is supposed to be there. Dennis Herb is coming. Um, and I know I'm Tanner English. Uh, it's a unique one. Interesting. So a lot of national guys. And then you mix in our guys like Josh Putnam, our, uh, on the front super dirt series champion. Joseph Jordan will be there. Will Harrington is going to be there. Uh, a lot of good regional guys to mix in with the national guys should make for a, a great show, hopefully. Nice. Well, uh, Joshua, I appreciate the time today. Uh, good luck with everything. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, both this weekend and, uh, and your schedule for 2024. All right. Appreciate you having me. Thank you.